When I was an army chaplain, my soldiers asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and I answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where today we're going to talk about two different kinds of prayer. Um, you've probably prayed both of them at some point, but um, the second one that Isaiah prays is uh, pretty, pretty rough stuff. So thanks for being here. Hope it helps you in your journey in life. Amen. from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and glorious habitation. Where are your zeal and your might, the yearning of your heart and your compassion? They are withheld from me, for you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us and Israel does not acknowledge us, You, O Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. Why, O Lord, do you make us stray from your ways and harden our heart so that we do not fear you? Turn back for the sake of your servants, for the sake of the tribes that are your heritage. Your holy people took possession for a little while, but now our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have long been like those whom you do not rule, like those not called by your name. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil. To make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, from ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. There are two kinds of prayers in desperate times. One is a prayer for deliverance. Oh God, get me out of here. Um, Maybe remove me from the situation that I found myself in. 
either geographically or emotionally or however we need to get out of it. Um, Ultimately, the prayers that we see for deliverance in some of the Bible is the prayer to be with God in heaven. Take me off this planet. Let me be with you instead of being down here on this earth. In a lot of our hymns, um, Amazing Grace being probably the most popular hymn that a lot of people know, um, starts out with uh, about God's grace and then some things about this life and God's grace in this life. And then the last verse, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, um, there's always this heavenly f- last verse in many of the hymns that we have in our hymnal, that the last verse is that verse about heaven where our troubles will be over. And it's true in the Bible, too. There's a lot in the Bible about life here on earth. And the final book of the Bible, Revelation, is about a heavenly vision of what heaven is kind of like. And the very end of the book is a depiction of um, the tree of life and, and heaven where all the tears are wiped away from our eyes. And that is one kind of prayer. Get me out of here, God. Send me to heaven so I can be safe. But the prayer we see in Isaiah is the opposite of that. Chapter 64 of Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down here. God, come down here. Come be here. Visit this place. Get down here as fast as you can. Uh... We need your help. We need an intervention. We need deliverance. We need you to show up. Um, This is not about us going off to heaven to be safe. It is about God coming down here to fix what has happened. What has happened? Well, there has been this feeling of being forsaken by God, that God has abandoned his people, um, that even though God delivered them in the past, there is no deliverance on the horizon now. They are losing hope. This captivity in Babylon seems to be the end of everything. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you thought everything was ending, where that life that you had, whether it was through health problems or through a situation of violence or whatever it is that you thought, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe this is the end um, of my life here on this planet. And that's where the people of God are. That's where Isaiah is, that everything is about to end. And there's really no hope unless God comes and intervenes dramatically. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. This is also um, not just about God's geographic location in heaven and to come down on earth to do stuff. But it is also that God would understand what is going on down here in heaven. Um, So many times during the Vietnam War, uh, those that experienced that would write and speak about how they'd be in the jungle, um, going kilometer by inch by inch through thick jungle, and their superiors would be on the radio. It was the first real well-connected radio war where soldiers on the ground um, had direct access to their um, commanders, small unit and big unit commanders, Um, that were on an FM radio um, that somebody carried on their back and how they couldn't understand why aren't you at the objective yet going through these thick jungles and swamps. Um, You know, it's only a kilometer away. 
Why can't you get there in this amount of time? It, I can walk a kilometer down the street in, you know, eight minutes. Why can't you get there um, sooner, faster? And, and the reality on the ground is it's really different down here. You don't understand what the jungle is like. And there's that kind of prayer too. God, don't you understand what it's like down here? Don't you understand what I'm going through? I don't think you do. I don't think you do up in heaven know what it's like to be a human being. Isaiah is also saying that, that he feels alone, like the heavens are silent. God is absent and God will never understand. We have become like the one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth, filthy rags. We are not only do we feel bad, but we look bad. We're dressed in rags. Um, nothing really works anymore. Um, we all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. But this is still the prayer. Oh God, come down. Will you keep silent? Will this punishment and judgment last forever? Um, we can't take it anymore. And the answer to this prayer this prayer that we've all prayed one way or another at some time in our life, and we'll probably have to pray again, is answered in the person of Jesus Christ. When he dies on the cross, when he hangs between earth and sky, there is an earthquake. And the, temp the veil in the temple that separates the holy of holies from the rest of us um, is ripped in two, ripped in half. The veil is torn. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. That happens that day. This God becomes one of us in the only way that he can, through death, through dying here on this planet, and then ultimately rising again. So that separation, that absence, can never truly be felt again, even though we may feel it. We can look to the cross and say, even though I feel like God is silent, absent. I know that happened. I know that God experienced this and far worse than I'm experiencing right now. Even though I am overwhelmed by this, God knows what I'm going through. And that call for God to come down is answered in, yes, I'm already here. Where is God in every school shooting? We just had another one this week. Where is God when people die and when there's accidents and crashes and awful things happen? Where is God in those events? And that question of where is God in the school shooting? God is being shot in that classroom, on that campus. God has a bullet wound in his side, in his hands, in his feet. For love. Amen. Today is February 15th, the day the church remembers Thomas Bray. Thomas Bray, B-R-A-Y. He was born at Martin in Shropshire, England in 1656. After graduating from Oxford and being ordained as a priest, he became a country parson in Warwickshire, Warwickshire. In 1696, he was invited by the Bishop of London to be responsible for the oversight of church work in the colony of Maryland. 
Three years later, as the bishop's commissary, he sailed to the American colonies for his first and only visitation. Though he spent only two and a half months in Maryland, Bray was deeply concerned about the neglected state of the American churches. If you think uh, the crisis in the Episcopal Church of attendance or of decline or whatever it is, is new, um, reading history shows that um, these concerns are not new. The, the neglected state of the American church and the great need for the education of clergy, laity, and children. At a general visitation of the clergy at Annapolis before his return to England, he emphasized the need for the instruction of children and insisted that no clergyman be given a charge unless he had a good report from the ship in which he crossed the Atlantic. And quote, whether he gave no matter of scandal and whether he did consistently read prayers twice a day and catechize and preach on Sundays, which notwithstanding the common excuses I know can be done by a minister of any zeal for religion. Kind of shows you uh, what the clergy of England were up to at that time. Um, many of the clergy that came to America uh, in the early days, of, this is pre-America, this is British colony America, um, uh, many of them were on the run. They were um, getting away from various problems that they were having in England, um, and they were willing to take the risks of this voyage. And some of them um, seemed to not even want to pray or preach or do anything like that. Um, and that was the job. The vows of clergy in the Church of England have required the saying of morning and evening prayer. Episcopal church clergy are not bound by that, although we try to keep that up as best we can um, as a personal discipline. But even that was um, really falling by the wayside. Uh, so his admonition to, um, to do the work, to, to be with the people and get to know them and teach and love and care was something he cared deeply about. His understanding of and concern for Native Americans and African Americans who were enslaved and some were free were far ahead of his time. He founded 39 lending libraries in America as well as numerous schools. He raised money for missionary work and influenced young English priests to go to America. Um, I love the phrase, he was ahead of his times, um, which is a drawn from our views of the, the progress of history, that history is always progressing. We can thank uh, George Hagel for this view, uh, who posited that things are always kind of getting better and better and better. And that's certainly true on a lot of fronts. We can see that in perhaps in civil rights um, growth and, and liberation, and certainly for other um, freedoms and liberties that people enjoy. But that view that everything's getting better and better um, does force us to recognize people who were ahead of their time in their time, but, but they were actually people of their time. Thomas Bray was not ahead of his time at all. He was a person that lived in his time and believed the gospel and saw that the work of Jesus was equally valid for uh, people that were enslaved, for Native Americans, for for white colonists as well, that um, that the truth of the gospel was that there was good news for everybody and it should lead to liberation for everybody. And that was not a view that was ahead of his time, in his time. Um, it was actually very much in his time and necessary in his time. 
And, and I, I think we can make a fair argument that many things are not getting better in our world. The advent of nuclear weapons means that we have even greater ways to destroy one another on this planet. Uh, certainly, when we look at the climate apocalypse and the implications of climate change um, on large populations of people that are already experiencing um, the fallout from that, especially places like India and other places that are close to the equator, um, even here in our area of, of the droughts that we are experiencing now and will experience in the future even more so as we go further west from here, um, I think the myth of progress, it's a myth that everything is getting better and better and better and better. Um, there's a lot of things that are getting better and a lot of things that might be getting worse. And um, ultimately, we are called to live our faith no matter what happens, no matter what kind of government we have, no matter what kind of uh, climate situation we have or political situation or, or other situations, we are called to live the Christian faith where we, where we find ourselves. And that means we're not ahead of our time. We're actually very much in, in the time that we've been given here. So I always take note of when someone is ahead of their time um, in, when we read history. Bray, Bray tried hard to have a bishop consecrated for the American colonies, but failed. This is the great tragedy of the American story, is that, that the Anglican clergy, priests mostly, and lay people who lived here and worshipped here in America, um, kept begging for a bishop. And part of the big constraint was the finances. They didn't want to have to pay for a bishop. Bishops were incredibly expensive back then, um, in some ways as they are now. But um, the, the, the fundraising was really part of the issue and that once somebody was a bishop in England, they didn't really feel the need to go anywhere. They had their little kingdom and didn't want to leave the comforts of their more settled home. Um, and so the very uh, strong advocates for sending a bishop were sort of radical voices crying in the wilderness like Thomas Bray and many others. Um, if they had come here, um, there probably would be a lot more Episcopalians today um, and a lot of other things would probably have been better, I think, for the trajectory of American history. But of course, all what ifs in history are just what ifs. Um, they are not reality or provable in any way. His greatest contributions were the founding of the Society for Prop Promoting Christian Knowledge, the SPCK, and the Society for the Propagation of the Gospel. The book that we are using for our Tuesday Bible study is an SPCK book. So that society is still around, still doing good work in the world. Um, these missionary societies were the ways they got around having bishops. They had collectives of clergy and lay people that did the work of starting planting churches in the new world uh, without the bishop's involvement because they were too far away. Both of which are still effectively in operation after two and a half centuries of work all around the world. From 1706 to 1730, Bray was the rector of St. Bolt, Boltolf without Aldgate in London. They have fun names over there. St. Boltolf without Aldgate in London. So it's the St. Boltolf Church that is outside Aldgate, or the gate that is called the Aldgate in London, where until his death on February 15, 1730, at the age of 72, he served with energy and devotion while continuing his efforts on behalf of enslaved Africans and blacks in America 
and the founding of parochial libraries. So um, it is at this time where English people in England are starting to realize the horrors of the slave trade in a, in a more visible way um, than they were before, and they are starting to advocate for, this, for the banning of, of, of slavery in the, on their ships and in their colonies. There's huge resistance to this from the colonies, which leads to the American Revolution, which one of the um, reasons we fought the Revolutionary War was to pr preserve the institution of slavery, as England was saying it needs to end. Um, and so he was part of that movement of abolition to end slavery um, in as much as they could uh, from the, in the realm of England, which extended all the way to this part of the world. When the deplorable condition of English prisons were brought to Bray's attention, he set to work to influence public opinion and to raise funds to alleviate the misery of the inmates. He organized Sunday beef and beer dinners in prisons and advanced proposals for prison reform. Um, just having uh, meat and ale in the prisons was a big deal um, as it was seen as a great luxury that prisoners were not allowed to have. Um, we still see that food is often the biggest um, touch point, flash point for prisoners in the United States, that, um, that what they eat and what they are allowed to eat and should eat and what society feels that they deserve to eat is ultimately a very, still a very hot political issue. Um, uh, Carrie Blakinger from uh, the Marshall Project has documented this really well. I invite you to check out her work on, on prison food um, especially during the pandemic as greater isolation um, led to really worse conditions for prisoner food. But um, Jesus said, when, when, I was, when I was in prison, you visited me. And when you visited somebody in prison back in those days, you brought food with them because that was probably the only food they were going to get. Um, the responsibility of your family or friends to feed you if you were incarcerated for most of human history was the reality. Um, prisons didn't provide food um, for their prisoners that often. And if they did, it was beyond the, the scope of anything that would sustain life. So his um, work in that area was very, um, very uh, saved a lot of lives in many ways. Um, I'm, I, was, I think many people are surprised to learn that in Texas, um, death row um, inmates when they are uh, taken for execution are not allowed a last meal of their choosing. They are given the standard prison meal for that day instead of having our last request. We still have that mythology as if they do. Um, we talk about last meals. If you had one last meal on earth, what would you eat? Um, but that is no longer allowed in, in Texas prisons. Um, so even that um, small courtesy, small kindness, which people in Thomas Bray's actually day did. They gave prisoners who were to be ex being executed a lot of stuff before they were executed. And now that seems to be another flashpoint of, of, um, of dissension about how we treat care for people in prisons in this country. He advanced proposals for prison reform. It was Thomas Bray who first suggested to General Oglethorpe the idea of founding a humanitarian colony for the re relief of honest debtors, but he died before the Georgia colony became a reality. Um, so many of the prisoners in that time were in prison for indebtedness, not necessarily for what we would call felonies or crimes today. Um, so debtor's prison was a very much a part of the world that he lived in. Um, 
And we might see that as unjust today. Um, I think rightfully so to incarcerate somebody for owing money that they can't pay. Um, but this was very much the reality of his world. So we thank God for Thomas Bray. I believe, well, there's another prison reformer who's buried in Westminster Abbey who is the first, but I think that's not Thomas Bray. I'll have to check out where he's buried um, afterwards. If someone can Google that for me. Um, I seem to recall that he was the first non-bishop or nobleman to be buried in Westminster Abbey, but I could be wrong about that. You'll have to check that fact as I am uncertain about it. O God of compassion, who opened the heart of your servant Thomas Bray to answer the needs of the church in the new world, make your church diligent at all times to propagate the gospel and to promote the spread of Christian knowledge. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray a prayer for mission. O God, you've made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your blessed Son to preach peace to those who are far off and those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh and hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.